how on earth would Big Tobacco profit off of the loss of this young man? Now, I hate to think in such callous terms, but if anything, we'd be losing a customer. It's not only our hope, it's in our best interest to keep Robin alive and smoking. That's ludicrous. Let me tell you something, Joan, and please, let me share something with the fine, concerned people in the audience today. The Ron Goodies of this world want the Robin Williger's to die. What? You know why? So that their budgets will go up. This is nothing less than trafficking in human misery. And you, sir, ought to be ashamed of yourself. I ought to be ashamed of myself. As a matter of fact, we're about to launch a $50 million campaign aimed at persuading kids not to smoke. Because I think that we can all agree that there is nothing more important than America's children. And put on a little makeup. Hide the scars and fade away that shakeup. Why'd you leave the keys upon the table? You wanted to. Why'd you leave the keys upon the table? You wanted to. Why did you leave the keys upon the table? I don't think you trust in my. Self-righteous suicide I cry When angels deserve to die Good evening, uh, good afternoon, good morning um, Speaking to you on a beautiful bloody day in, in Treforest in the Welsh Valleys um, My name's Ian Laurie and welcome to episode 61 of Dude and a Monkey Mark Foster, how's the weather for you sir? Uh, it's cloudy now, but it has been an absolutely gorgeous day, and I'll be honest, I haven't actually been outside yet. <laughs> Fair enough, I've only been outside to uh, um, uh, get an exchange on my PlayStation 4, uh, which is a bit sad, but never mind, and um, buy a uh, Blu-ray player that's turned out to be duff, and go to the cinema. So um, it's not been the best weekend in my life, in all honesty, but uh, Mark, I think you should be uh, flying, fly, um, uh, flying high after the, uh, the Liverpool result. Yes, yes. I was a bundle of nerves and hatred um, for most of the morning, uh, but now I'm, I'm, I'm more relaxed and I wait until next Sunday to start it all over a fucking game. When do, when do you play Chelsea? Is it next week? No, a week after we play Norwich next week. Shit, it off, well, Norwich, you should be alright. Bloody hell, Liverpool, they're probably yes. going to win the title, what the fuck? Yeah, you see, I, I, at the moment, I'm, I'm still, Eddie, I'm literally spending my entire time uh, touching um, some form of wood, just all of the time, just in case. Furiously <laughs> masturbating. For yes. um, blue ball. This is the way I get through life. You've got to blue ball yourself, though, because, you know, obviously, if you keep on masturbating, it won't be wood anymore. I'm just drying myself out. That's good. And then I sleep. And on that bombshell, (laughs) coming up on this week's show, uh, we have got a review of the uh, Gareth Evans-directed 
the uh, greatest action movie ever made, if you believe a few poster quotes. It's The Raid 2. Uh, we've also got some One Old One News, some trailer talk, and the last part of the When Mark and Ian Met Rob Marathon, as we take on his 2005 film, Rumour Has It. Um, at Dude and the Monkey, at Ian Loring, at Dude Foz, and Dude and the Monkey at gmail.com. iTunes reviews also appreciated. Uh, Mark, you got anything else to say, or shall we just get on it? Uh, no, I, I say we just we just dive into the the panties of this shit. Right, let's dive into the panties of this shit. Um, <laughs> as we uh, whatever that happens to mean, as we oh, get, uh, into some t- wow, uh, as we get into some trailer talk. So, uh, Mark, what trailers have you seen this week? Uh, not not awful. Not, uh, not being that much. I think out uh, this week, uh, a couple of new red band trailers uh, for Neighbours um, or Bad Neighbours, as I think it's going to be called in this country. Uh, the uh, Seth Rogen versus um, Zephron movie. Um, I I still think it looks pretty damn fucking funny. Um, to be honest, uh, I'm, I'm I'm very much very much up for it. Um, it looks like it's going to be a bit of X-rated laugh riot, so I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that one. Um, the 22 Drum Street uh, Red Band trailer. Um, I'll be honest, I, I laughed a lot, but the the sort of look of the scale they're going for um, did kind of hit me with a little bit of, oh, I hope they don't overcook this. I predict this will start a backlash in some quarters against Lord and Miller because no one likes people getting too successful and staying successful in the in the movie uh, internet world. So even if it's good, I could see people just going like it's good, but it's not as good as the Lego movie. It's not as good as 21 Jump Street. And that will be how the narrative is framed for this film. I certainly see that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, my, my view of it is, if I go in and I laugh half as much as I laugh at 21 Jump Street, I'll be a fucking happy man. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying the trailer looks bad or anything like that. It's just, I, I kind of know, you, you know how these things work at yeah, Gordon Miller. It, it, Everybody's been coming over them for years, so. Yeah, it, it seems like, it seems like it might be their time to take a little bit of un, undeserved shit. Yes. Um, trailer for uh, Brick Mansions, which I actually saw in the uh, cinema. Yeah, before the Red Two, so did I. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's not something I've got the cinema to watch, but it's something I'll happily watch um, at eleven o'clock on a Friday night with a beer after I finish work. I am not going to go to the cinema to watch a remake of District Thirteen. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but. It does look like fun. It's going to be, you know, the second to last time we get to see Paul Walker. Um, and I was hit by that, that, that kind of pang of, oh shit, that's, you know, that's, it's another big Paul Walker movie. And you look at it and you think, God, you know, he made some really enjoyable movies to watch. And I, I kind of looked at it and thought, I'm not going to see it at the cinema, but I'll definitely, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not chomping at the bit to watch it, but I'll definitely watch it. Um, the, whereas the trailer that I saw after Brick Mansions at the cinema was the trailer um, for Pompeii um, and I all the way through it was thinking this just looks horrible in every manner it just looks it looks confused it looks boring it looks like they've taken a really interesting um, historical event 
and then just made a really shitty fucking story around it. Um, and it, it looks just just horrible. I, I have more time for Paul W.S. Anderson than a lot of people do after his last two films. I actually quite enjoyed The Three Musketeers, and I genuinely enjoyed The Last Resident Evil. I can't remember what that one was called. So did I. Um, Resident Evil, they work on a one, one watchable, one terrible. And it kind of goes like that with Resident Evil. Did you, did you see, um, ever so slight tangent, did you see James Cameron did a, like an Ask Me Anything on Reddit? And he said, somebody asked him what is his guilty pleasure movie, and he said the first Resident Evil. That doesn't surprise me at all. I, I, I would, uh, I would say that the first Resident Evil movie, I've seen it four or five times. It, it's a fun movie. Yeah, good, yeah, good for him. I don't have, yeah, I don't have a problem with that at all. I think it's a, it's a very interesting movie. A good score as well. Marilyn Manson scored it, didn't he? Yeah, he, he did all, he did all, he did score it as well, he? he did all the sounds sound as well. Sound. Yeah. Cause yeah. I, remember, I, I remember, like, hearing that apparently, in, at least in the theatrical version, he'd put, for some random reason, he'd put in, no, like, noises at high frequencies that only dogs can hear. Yeah. It just, just, just for shits and giggles. You yeah, that just it, makes it, me it, laugh. It was one of those uh, where there's a really good uh, making of on the DVD mm. of that. It's probably on the Blu-ray as well. Uh, but I remember watching it on the DVD uh, because I was interested in the whole they were talking to uh, Marilyn Manson. Um, but yeah, like I, 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 I haven't seen the Three Musketeers. Uh, I don't have as big an issue with uh, Paul W.S. Anderson as, as others do, but. Pompey just looks horrible. Yeah, it does. It, it yeah, it just looks fucking terrible. Um, I uh, the trailer for Blended, the uh, Adam Sandler uh, Drew Barrymore film. Um, you know, the, I think this is the third film they've done together. Is it after uh, Wedding Singer and First Dates? First Dates, yeah. Um, Wedding Singer, it, it, you know, I, I have a soft spot. Wedding Singer, I think it's it's a fun movie. Uh, it, it's funny. I remember enjoying it a lot. You know, on VHS actually. Um, 51st Dates is creepy as fuck. Uh, and Blended looks fucking horrible. Again, it just looks so contrived and, and, and terrible. You know, have you seen the trailer for it? Don't watch it. No, way. no, um, I'm not going to go anywhere near it. I, 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 yeah, I didn't think you would. Uh, but I, I, I don't know why. I, I thought I'd better watch some trailers so I've got something to talk about. Um, I watched this and it, it, the idea of the whole premise is that Drew Barrymore's character and Adam Sandler's character, um, they um, go on a blind date and it goes terrible and then they end up, both of them end up going on the same safari holiday together with their families. Great. Uh, yeah, that is how flimsy... What do you want me to say is. to that, Mark? Just... It's it, it just fucking... It just... I, it, it literally is like they went... Like Adam Sandler went, do you know what? What? Fancy going on safari. Can we write that into a movie? Yeah, of course we can. Fuck it, brilliant. Do it. And that's it. And it was written like on like, not even a page of A4, like literally on a post-it note. Yeah. Uh, looks fucking terrible. Uh, and I've just watched the trailer um, while we're having slight technical issues uh, for Don Peyote, uh, which stars Anne Hathaway and Jay Baruchel, and looks again just fucking shite. Don Peyote. Yeah. It's one of those, another one of those films where Jay Baruchel just kind of, basically, basically just goes, I, 
I like drugs. I do, I, I do loads of drugs. I like drugs. I do loads of drugs. It's like, we get it. We get it, Jay. You like weed. Just, can you move on to something else, maybe? Yeah. Um, so, just looks fucking terrible. Uh, what have you caught? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've watched pretty much all of those. And um, I watched the, I, you talked about this last week, but I watched the trailer for Chef, which um, I'll watch. I'll, it's one yeah. of those ones where I'll go and see it in the cinema if nothing else is out that week. Like, I would be up for going to see it in the cinema. But if I don't, I'm not going to be crying about it. Um, and that's about it for that. Um, saw the new trailer for How to Train Your Dragon 2, uh, which uh, looks great. I just, I, I like, I, I was reading a feature about this in Empire this 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 uh, this month, and I like the fact that time has actually passed, and, you know, you, this is now a society that's fully into the whole kind of dragon thing. Because, you know, you can imagine the sequel to this could be just as easily, like, people uneasy about the dragons and it's just like it's pretty much straight after and it's the further adventures of him in this time i like the idea of these characters maturing and um i i you know it's going to be huge and i hope there's more flying sequences there were quite a few of them in the first one but not as many as i would have liked um i'm gonna re-watch the first one um soon because i got the 3d blu-ray recently um and i think it might keep lottie occupied as well um so She's only three months old, but she will watch. She will sit there and watch a film if I've got something on. She'll stare yeah. at it, like which is fantastic. Um, so yeah, had Stranger Dragon too. And um, you were talking earlier on about um, like the pang of sadness when you saw Paul Walker. Um, same thing for me with the trailer for A Most Wanted Man. Um, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman, one of his last ones, um, and he looked great in it. He looks fantastic. I mean, the, the the film kind of looks like it's going to be covering fairly usual ground, like um, dodgy government agencies and like, are they pushing things too far? What would you do to for the greater good? Kind of bollocks. Um, which, which you know, which, which is fine. But I mean, I'll watch it. It's Philip Seymour Hoffman, Robin Wright. Um, uh, Willem Dafoe, Rachel McAdams, and it's directed by An- Anton Corbin. So that that will sell me, and Hoffman looks really good in this. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think that's about it. I mean, they, they, the Red Band for Neighbours, I thought, was terrific. Um, uh, oh, and I, I, you talked about it last week as well, but I watched the trailer for Lucy, and uh, why not? Yeah. yeah you know, it's you know. one of those, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I... Again, if there's nothing out that week, I'll go and watch it. If there's something else out, I probably won't. But I'm I'm certainly going to see that at some point. Hmm. And uh, oh, and I saw the red band for a haunted house too. <laughs> Does it look any good? Do you know what? I don't hate a haunted house. I have watched a haunted house. I didn't hate it. It. D- Apart from the misogyny, the misogyny in that film is really, really, really troubling. But I'll be honest, Cedric the Entertainer as a priest had me. And he's yeah, back it, it in this one. Doesn't surprise me that um, the misogyny is is there it, with, with the people involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But to be fair, we're going to get onto it in a second. But there's a fair bit of misogyny in the raid too. And you don't hear anyone complaining. So, you know. The Raid 2's coming up next. Here's a clip. (laughs) 
Okay, The Raid 2 is directed by Gareth Ed- Evans. I think it's written, directed, produced, and edited by um, Gareth Evans. Um, oh, tangent. One of the things that made me laugh about the Brick Mansions trailer. Yeah. From a co-writer of The Transporter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did, I did notice that, yeah. <laughs> That's terrific. Anyway, sorry. Um, so, yeah, The, the Raid 2. Um, stars Eco Uace and... Um, the long-haired guy from the first one and a bunch of other people, including an obvious body double for the the white-haired guy in the first one. Um, he's only in it for, like, three shots, but it's so obviously not that guy that I found that quite funny. Um, <laughs> the Raid 2 picks up pretty much exactly where the Raid left off, um, where um, Eco Uasis Rama is... Um, he kind of reluctantly agrees to go undercover to expose the larger conspiracy behind the events of the first film. Um, he's told he'll only have to go to prison for a few months, turns out to be two years, and he gets involved with a crime family um, who have a kind of an uneasy truce with another crime family, and he, um, his mission is to befriend the son of the head of the one crime family, who, um, wouldn't you know it, he's got ideas above his station, and he... Uh, you know, he thinks he should be top dog. Mark, what do you think of the raid two? Um, I was a huge fan of the uh, of the raid, uh, the first film. It's a um, it's a balls out action movie um, that essentially starts where it means to go, where it just starts with this frenetic pace and then just fucking just goes and very rarely kind of lets up. Um, so, you know, you go into the Raid 2 and the first thing that strikes you is that it's it's two and a half hours long, uh, which is, I think, about an hour longer than the first, first one. one. First one's about 100 minutes. About 100 minutes. So you, you're adding, yeah, 100 minutes. So you're adding sort of 50 odd minutes and just shy of an hour um, onto, um, you know, the, the there's, duration. There's so, about 50% more raidage here. Yeah, so you know, um, what's going to happen here is is um, Gareth Evans has taken the um, you know the, the success um, that the raid uh, has, has granted him, and he's made the film that he wanted to make originally. You know, this was this the raid two was actually written before the raid, and this was actually the original idea for the raid, and then they couldn't get the funding for it. He's got the funding now, and he's made this. You know this action crime, you know epic with this much grander, I, larger I, scale. I was under the impression that this was a standalone project that had been retrofitted into a sequel. Uh, I was under the impression that this was originally the idea for the raid, but they couldn't get enough funding for the raid, uh, so wrote a more funding acceptable version, and then. Went back to this. For ca- ca- carry on. I'm gonna. I am listening, but I'm gonna wiki this. Yes. Uh, and then uh, tweaked it um, to to be to be this. I read that somewhere. I'm sure I did. Um, the, the, in, the big thing that obviously that going into the raid is the fact that it has had a lot of a lot of praise. You know, people call it the greatest action movie of all time, uh, and you know. It's the um, the Dark Knight of action movies, which kind of confuses me because I thought the Dark Knight was an action movie. That um, that I the thing is I I don't want to talk about my reaction to people's reaction at the film once I get into the film. So do you mind if I just say something? I, I no, I'd go for it now, buddy. Right, okay. That is 
completely symptomatic of a some person writing from some website who needed to get a review of the Raid 2 out as quickly as possible after its first screening so that they could shout first, first, first and didn't actually yeah. check their fucking copy to notice the fact that the Dark Knight of action movies makes no fucking sense whatsoever. <laughs> yes. Because the Dark Knight is an action movie. <laughs> and it's no, retarded. There's no getting away from it. Yes, it's a comic book movie, but it's an action movie. These, I mean, there are. The thing is, to call it the Dark Knight, uh, let's call it the, uh, the Dark Knight of action movies, is retarded. When you look at how many similarities there are between this and the Dark Knight. Sure. In terms of, of story, tone, and structure, and everything like that. Um, I, um, I loved the Raid Team. Um, I, it is absolutely one of those films where I can see, um, where other people have issues with it. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot more talky, uh, than the first one. A lot more talky than the first one. I mean, there's, there's 50 minutes extra in this movie. And um, it's all talking. There's over 50 minutes extra talking in this movie. <laughs> I would say there is probably, in a movie that is, let me say, 50 minutes longer, so considerably longer, I would say there is less outright action in this movie than there is in The Raid. Uh-huh. Um, it's amped up uh, in this movie. Um, you've got uh, Echo OS. Um, he's... He's the lead, but he's also a, a a secondary character for large amounts of the film. Um, but I think when this film is, and I, by the way, I I I can see why the talking bits and the gangsters sat in rooms might have taken a lot of people out of it, and it's not a fucking new take on it. it it's something that we have seen a, a lot. Um, it didn't bother me. It still it kept me in. At no point did I look at my watch and think, you know, God, how long has this got left? Um, I was thoroughly on board with it, and the action uh, segments are magnificent and they look great. The direction of it, um, I despise with a passion. Um, Anybody ever calling anything a game changer in terms of movies? Because the things that changed a game in movies were talking and colour. That's it. Beyond that, no. Um, this isn't a game changer, but it's a fucking magnificent entry into the action cinema. Um, and also, as well, it's something that I don't think... Western cinema can do. I think Eastern cinema can do this type of movie yeah. with a plum. I don't think Western cinema can do this type of movie to the same extent of this. So I accept that this film has issues and I accept that some people will have criticisms of it, but none of those things bother me at all. I came out of it, came out of it, and I was going to a friend's 30th birthday um, do. Had I not been at that 30th birthday do, I would have come out, come out of it, gone for a piss, gone back to the counter and gone, can I have a ticket for Raid 2, please? I'm going and watched it again. Um, I've been talking to Noel about this, and he's just given me... He didn't like the Raid, did he? Sorry? 
Bill didn't like the Raid, did no, he? No, he didn't, no. He's not going anywhere near the Raid 2, and I don't think he, he, he should. Um, he's no, given he me, he's like given it. me a quote that, um, he wants me to use. The Lawrence God, of Arabia man. of long films. <laughs> Which is, uh, I, I think is dynamite. Um, alright, I, you can probably guess from my tone a little bit. Um, I liked The Raid 2, and I recommend The Raid 2, and spoiler alert, it's definitely not shit. It is definitely not shit. However, um, and I absolutely, the thing is, I don't think we're going to argue on this very much, Mark, because you have admitted the kind of the things I'm going to say, and said, yeah. but frankly, I don't care, I still got enough out of it, which is absolutely fine. That's, you know, that's awesome. For me, I did check my, my phone a couple of times. Um, I found the... The thing is, if you're going to make a film as long as this film is, I think you need to justify that quite s- sincerely. The raid is 100 minutes long, and what plot there is, it does it quite fast. What emotional stuff there is, it does it quite fast. And then it gets on with the stuff that we are paying to see. I'm not going to the Raid 2 to see a a very, very, very generic guy has to go undercover and infiltrate this crime family, has to befriend the son of the crime family. And wouldn't you know it, the, the, the son has ideas about his station, as I already said. I haven't come to it for that. I've come for the action. The action that is there is absolutely fucking phenomenal. Every mm. single fight scene has got stuff in it that was awesome. And there were people in my audience who were lapping it up and I was audibly lapping it up in a couple of, in a couple of moments. You know. Yeah. I have to wonder if there was a bit of a push to get this out a bit quicker than it maybe should have come out in terms of post. Um, or I would have to question if Gareth Evans has maybe bitten, bitten off a more than he can chew in terms of story. Um, I think he's a terrific action filmmaker. I think he's a woefully average narrative filmmaker. But the thing about The Raid is that the narrative was barely there. With The Raid 2, it's there and more some, and that for me is a key problem. Yeah, there is a, there is an awful lot of, um, and, you know, the, the story isn't, it, like you say, it, the story isn't breaking new ground. It's not covering anything that, you know, that we haven't seen, uh, in, you know, many, many gangster films, but then, you know, a lot of crime films. Yeah, gangster films think of work. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's a familiar trodden ground, but that doesn't mean to say that it's it, that that is necessarily a massive negative against it. Uh, it's just there are you can definitely see that it's very much pieced together as right. This is leading into a, another action scene, and things aren't um, aren't explored enough sometimes to give you. There's a lot of avenues it goes down that are closed off very quickly. Um, and there's a lot of characters. Um, I mean, we don't spend that 
you know, that much time with, with Rama uh, in the film, um, in the middle of the film. He's there, for the, you know, for most of the beginning of the film and for certainly the end of the film. But the middle of the film, uh, we start getting these, these other characters um, where you get um, the um, chappy play of Mad Dog in the first one. Um, and, you know, you get an idea of his character, but also you get two magnificent um, action set pieces um, with him. Um, and then you also get, um, as well, uh, you also get um, the Hammer Girl and the Baseball Guy. But there's not, there's no explanation really of, of who they are or anything like that, but you get a feeling of it. But there again, they're there to do, um, to do that. And it, it seems strange that... The iconic thing that seems to be coming out of this movie, uh, that seems to be getting the push, is Hammer Girl. Um, and She's in two scenes. You know, and, and, and I'll be honest, um, it, it, it's a good character, and I like the fact that she has these hammers, and the fact that she's beating the hell out of it them. But it, it's intercut with um, the baseball bat guy. Um and for me, that was the only action scene that didn't work. And it's the only action scene that isn't played out as if it's one continuous shot. It's two continuous shots that have been spliced together. And that was the only action scene for me that didn't, that I did feel like I was going, do you know what? I'd prefer to watch five to seven minutes of the Hammer Girl rather than this baseball guy. This, this brings up an interesting point for me. Um, quite a lot in this film the build-up to stuff there's a lot of cutting between things and it kind of building up building up building up and the soundtrack's kind of building up building up building up and that took me out of it as well the construction of the build-up took me out because it almost felt like evans poking you and saying something's coming something's coming get ready get ready I think that was incredibly intentional. Yeah, it was. It didn't intentional. work for me. Um, if it works for you, that's that's. I mean, I, 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 I think, I think is, that's that what it is subjective. I mean, it, it's. I think objectively, it's intentional, but subjectively, whether you enjoy that or not, you know, I didn't. You did. Um, I'll also say, Hammer Girl and Baseball Batman are given so much prominence in 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 those scenes that. Mm. The fact that their scene with Rama is pretty much done in about two minutes. That kind, it's weird. He does this with the guy, uh, the guy who played Mad Dog in the first one as well, where there's an awful, awful lot of build up and then bang, they're dead. You know, and that's where I can't help but think that if Evans had actually looked at the film, maybe more than people watching the film and their holy shit, that's cool, visceral reactions to it. I think you would have had a tighter film that would have made, that, that would have been more complete. Even though the action is great, what their characters mean in the narrative is very, very little. And the thing is, you could just say, well, it is just an action film. You know, what do you expect of it? If an action film is two and a half hours long and it has the amount of narrative and dialogue that this one does... Evans obviously does care about this stuff, and so I think it's acceptable to poke holes. I I, I don't think that um, the raid has been. Uh, I think it's been built. I, I don't think the raid has been made as as just uh, an action film. 
Uh, I, th- you know, I think, I think that- a lot of people who like the film, and you obviously excluded, I think a lot of people who like the film, the ones who say the greatest action film ever made, blah, 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 would say that. And the thing is, I think it's got genuinely, I do think it's got some of the greatest action sequences I've ever seen. But mm. compared to Die Hard or, or something of that legendary calibre, this well, does not it, touch it, it, it as what, a it, film. Here's one. Yeah, no, yeah, completely. Yeah, agree with that. I mean, what would you say, just off the top of your head, you don't have to, what is it, but what would you say for you is, is the greatest action movie of all time? The thing is, it depends what you're talking about here. If you're talking about overall film in an action genre, we're talking mm. that? Yeah, I'd say so, yeah. Overall film in an action genre, Die Hard. Mm. It's, Seven Samurai. It's got character, or, or, yeah, I mean, fuck, Seven Samurai, sure, you know. They, they, and the thing is, Seven Samurai is three hours long, completely justifies its length, because... Oh, it, 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 it flashes by. Yeah. By the, way, by the way, just 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 to uh, just for um, to, to clear it up, uh, Diad is my number two. Sure, absolutely. Uh, but I, what I think, what I think about the 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 red, I I think that um, Evans has certainly gone into it with a lot more confidence um, that he's making something um, something bigger than like you say than, than just uh, than just a sequel to the red. It, it's kind of like it's he's. He's setting it up as being, you know, the second part of, of, of a bigger, of a much bigger trilogy. And he, he's set up to be grander and, and bigger and having more scale and more scope and, and so much more to it than just um, these, you know, incredible um, action scenes and these incredible, you know, set pieces within it. Um, but... The, the, I think the slight issue that maybe you could poke at it is that the bits where this film absolutely shines is those action bits. Yeah, I mean, let's, I mean, let's get on to that stuff. And just before we do, um, what we were talking about earlier on about whether it was retrofitted or whatnot. Wikipedia. Following Merentau, Kareth Evans and his producers began to work on a project called Barandal, which is Indonesian for thugs. A large-scale prison gang film intended to star not only Merentau actors uh, Iko Uwais, Yahan Ruyen and Donny Alamzia, but also an additional pair of international fight stars. A teaser trailer was shot, but the project proved to be more complex and time-consuming than they anticipated. After a year and a half, Evans and the producers found themselves with insufficient funds to produce Berendal, so they changed to a simpler but different story with a smaller budget. This is called The Raid. When developing The Raid in script form, Evans considered the idea of creating a link between it and the initial project, Berendal. It was later confirmed that Berendal will serve as a sequel to The Raid. Evans also stated his intention to make it a trilogy. So, Berendal was a different film. Hmm. It's kind of a mixture of both. It was a different film that they then they, adapted. They basically the, the kind of forced it into being a sequel to The Raid. And to be honest with you, yeah. I think that's where Eco Uwais isn't in the film as much as you expect him to be in it. Yeah, he, he's, he's, he's prominent first 40 minutes and he's prominent last 40 minutes. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, uh, sorry, I thought you were going to talk more there, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah I mean, like, but getting beyond this, because I am being a proper shit about this film. So, 
Why do I say it's definitely not shit? Because, like I said, it, it has got some of the greatest action sequences I've ever seen. Uh, the car chase is really, really ambitious and kind of, like, intimate in in scope. And, yeah, has, I mean, there's that one shot where it, like, passes from the one car over to the other car and then through the window of that car, which, which is amazing and was obviously mm. all done practically. And it's just mind-boggling how the fuck they did that. You know, and I mean, like every single fight scene, I found awesome. You know, from yeah, from the, the start, the choreography is incredible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, from from the start, and I, you know, where he's in the toilet, and I like the fact that he manages to beat a shitload of guys up, but certainly not all of them, and then gets the shit kicked out of him. You know, it, mm. it just I like how they still remember to make Rama human. I, I think that's very very important. Um, but then, I mean, like that that scene in the kitchen is oh, that incredible. It, it, it is 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 absolutely it is a one the, the the two standout fight sequences um well, just out scenes in the entire film um to be honest um for me are um the the kitchen scene uh and the bit with i know he's not called mad dog in this but the guy who played mad dog in the in the first one um where he's in the alley you know, after he's burst out of the room where you think that he's essentially being overthrown by the guys in the club and all of a sudden that guy just comes out of the door and then he follows him. Which, that by, by the way, is again about 15 minutes that isn't really actually needed. What? That that whole, to be fair, the whole Mad Dog bit, the fight sequence is great. What did that actually do in terms of narrative or character? Well, it, it would have. It, it actually, it 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 was. It would have made sense um, if that had have sparked off the the war, but it didn't. So it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't really do anything. It, it has an it, effect on the dad, but the only effect. I mean, the only effect is that the other guy just says, fuck it, do it anyway, which he could have done without that anyway. character. Yeah, and it, 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 yeah it, it is one of those. But it, it also... It, there's a lot that happens in this movie that is there to give us a fight scene. Yeah. And, and, there is a I, lot I, of that. I just... That's... Oh, fuck's sake. I'm sorry. I, I sounded like a broken record, but I just need to make it plain, even though I have done... That's absolutely fine, but could we not have just had a story that just led to fight scenes without 20 minutes of plot before the fight scene? I I, I can completely see where you're coming from, but the the, the plot bits didn't bother me. I I think because I'd taken... It got me on board, and it it dragged me in, and I was... I think I was in the right frame of mind for it. It just took me on, and there was not a single thing in this film that really made me go, eh, could have done without that. There are plenty of things that could probably have not been there, but there's no bit that I felt, do you know what? Nah. I, I like that. I, 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 mostly it is because every time, it, you know, it started to slow down, you knew that there was something building, and there was something big going to happen. And Evan's you know, did that, like we said before, did that on purpose, but it got me. He he had me in some kind of fucking, you know, action film trance where as long as after these 20-minute things I got a 15-minute fight scene 
fuck it, fine. I'm, I'm, I was happy with that. And I got those. And the, like, going back to the kitchen scene, that is just an incredible, incredible piece of directing. Fuck yeah. I mean, the prison riot scene, I'll just call out as well. I thought it was fantastic. The, um, the scale of that was... It's mental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, like, the, the, I don't know, it, like I said earlier on about the car chase scene, it's, it is mind-boggling how some of this stuff was done. And, it's, and the budget, the budget was four and a half million. I mean, I know you've got it, it no... Is your life is cheap, mate. Yeah, it is. But, in, you know, you, you can argue, well, that's why I'm saying there's no way that this film, it's the same as Ongback. There's no way these films could be made in the West because they'd need to get insurance for everybody. And that'd probably cost four and a half million dollars. Yeah, I, um, I, yeah, no, absolutely. I, it, it is, I mean, there is so much that is impressive about this film. There is, there is loads and it is all in, it is all in the action. And I'm not coming at it at a position where I wanted to hate it or anything like that. I rewatched The Raid this last week, and I actually liked it more than I did the second time I watched it. I was high on it the first time, slightly less on the second time. The third time, it actually clicked for me more. You know, so I was super, 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 super up for this. But two and a half hours, man, it's two and a half hours. And it did not need to be two and a half hours. And I... I just feel there was a slight sense of biting off more than you can chew. It, it, it just, and, and I mean, but th- that's it. <laughs> I, what I'll say is, I, I it, two and a half hours, and it, it and I, I, I texted you beforehand uh, before you went to see it and said, you know, it's a long film. It is, and you know, you have that where we, we mentioned a minute ago, um, Seven Samurai. Seven Samurai is is plus three hours, um, but that film doesn't feel plus three hours. That film in no way feels like feels its length like that. The Raid 2, I think it, it does feel its length, but I think it's helped by the fact that it apps, you occasionally get the action films where what happens is the best action of it is somewhere in the middle. And the, you know, you get to the end bit and you go, well, the end action scene wasn't quite as good as the, the third big action set piece. And there are several big action set pieces in the Raid 2. But the last um, action set piece is, without question, the, the best action set piece. And at the, here's a question for you. At the end of it, because it's clearly, it sets up for a third. And where I'd be astonished if we don't get a third movie um, off the back of this. Um, when it finished, did you think, yeah, go on, I can do that again? Or were you thinking, huh? Um, I couldn't give a fuck about the story. I don't care. I don't care about Rama. And really, to be honest, I don't care about who has control of the city. Who knows? The Japanese do now, apparently. That's cool. Yeah. Let the Japanese have control of the city. I don't care. However... I will watch The Raid 3 because I liked this film. I liked <laughs> this film and it's definitely not shit. It's definitely not shit. My enthusiasm for The Raid 3 is appreciably less than it was for The Raid 2. Um, 
I, I, I am also on a it's definitely not shit, uh, but I think I enjoyed it a, a lot, lot more than you did. Um, it's, uh, it, I'll, I'll be surprised if the Raid 2 um, isn't in my top 10 at the end of the year. Fair enough. I'll be very surprised. However, all that can sometimes change on a second watch, and I will watch this film again before, you know, at least once for the end of this year. I, I will probably watch this film again in the in the cinema before it, it goes. Uh, you're mad. I uh, yes, there is there is there, there is no fucking dispute in that one. <laughs> yeah, but hey, you know that's it. I mean, I I, I don't know. It just I uh, cool. I I just I don't I I I'm glad. I'm very very glad we're not re- reviewing this on Heroes because I'd just be doing the same and sounding like a whiny little arsehole. It just. It's not the greatest action movie ever made. It is. No, it is. It is very, very good. It's no, no. It's not very, very good. Actually, it's good. I'm sorry. It's good. Um, and it's got amazing sequences in it. And if there was some sort of fan edit where it was all those sequences stitched together, I'd buy that Blu-ray. I'll be. I'll be buying. Of course the you Blu-ray. will. And good for you. Yeah. It's nice to yeah. like things, Mark. <laughs> I'm all about the like. <laughs> you are. It's all about the like. Good for you. Fuck. Cool. Right. Promos, then others. Stuff. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant, blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and art cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. Just really it's isn't. not visually striking. No. I'm just, just getting confirmation. It's just getting, that's the third time though. I mean, I must, is this on? You can find us at chinstrokerversuspenter.podomatic.com. So come and share the victory. If you could fuck any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. Oh. He wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody. <laughs> he looks like somebody who can keep a secret. Yo, are you looking for a podcast that breaks movies down like you couldn't believe? I mean, takes them apart piece by piece and analyzes every little thing, getting you the most out of every movie that you ever could. Well, look no further than The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema with Samurai and Big Willie. These fuckers know how to review movies, or my name ain't the head. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com. Get off my back! I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Other things happening now. One old, one new. Mark, kick us off. Uh, I'll kick it off with my uh, um, one old. Um, I realised um, after I watched the football earlier and had two hours until recording the podcast uh, that I hadn't actually watched anything uh, old. Uh, I haven't watched a lot this week, to be honest, for quite a busy week. 
Uh, but I hadn't watched at all um, this week. I started to watch Stargate um, on Wednesday night, I think it was. Um, but then um, Becky had fallen asleep about half an hour into it, uh, and she really wanted to watch it, so I turned it off. Uh, so I thought, shit, I need to watch something, and it needs to be about 90 minutes long, because that's about how long I've got. Um, so I quickly rifled through the Blu-rays and thought, right, what do I want to watch? Uh, and was um, taken on um, Women in Trouble, uh, the 2009 uh, Sebastian uh, Gutierrez film, oh, yeah. uh, which is one of those, uh, another one of my pet hates, micro-budget films. Uh, so it had a budget of $50,000, but it stars Carla Gugino, Sebastian Gutierrez's wife, uh, Connie Britton, Emmanuel Chiriki, Marley Shelton, uh, Adrian Palicki, um, and uh, I think um, who else is in it? Uh, Josh Brolin crops up, uh, and so does Simon Baker. So to call it a, uh, say, I, I, oh, just gone Levitt also appears in a post credits bits. To say that a budget of 50000 is a little bit sneaky. Because, yes, the actual production budget might have been 50000 but you didn't pay fucking actors. So. Yeah. You know, let's be honest uh, about these things. But then again, uh, I like all the people involved. Um, I um, don't despise um, some of Sebastian Gutierrez's other work. Um, so I think this is the second time I've watched this. Um, I remember enjoying it, so I thought I'd give it another go. Um, what I did the story is, is it all takes part over 24 hours. And your principal character is um, a character called Electra Lux, played by Carla Gugino, who is... There's a sequel to this movie that's just called Electra Lux that focuses more on her. Uh, and it's one of those stories where you have five or six women and how this 24 hours kind of all interweaves itself. These sort of big life-changing things all happen to them. Uh, and it, they all kind of, each story influences itself. Uh, Electra Lux discovers that she's pregnant um, and she ends up getting caught in a lift uh, with... A uh, woman called Doris, um, who she's got a kid that uh, doesn't know that she's the mother, thinks that she's the auntie. Turns out that auntie has been having an affair with her uh, therapist's uh, husband. Uh, the therapist's wife leaves and ends up knocking over one of the porn stars who Electra Lux was working with earlier. And all these things just kind of crash together in the usual way these do. Um, the thing about Women in Trouble is it's um, it's 92 minutes long and it's one of those it, it's a it's a script film where it is essentially just a lot of shotting I think 10 days or something like that where it is a lot of actors that they're just sat in rooms and they're just shooting the shit essentially and it's just sort of funny tales um, that go around and that's how you get to know these characters is by these funny tales and it's one of those films where this is like I said the second or third time I think I've watched it and it's just a really kind of, it's a nice film to spend time with. You know, the characters, they aren't massively formed, but they're interesting to spend time with. And it's got some kind of great, funny throwaway lines in it. And it's just, it's 90 minutes of quite talented female actresses basically taking complete centre stage. Every male character is just a shit. Um, and is embarrassed within it. Um, and it's, 
I'm going to let the I'll end up watching Electra Lux again uh, in the next week again because I always end up watching them together. Um, and um, I want to catch um, Boston Gutierrez's um, other film, uh, Hotel Noir, at some point when it actually eventually gets a fucking release. Uh, but yeah, uh, Women in Trouble, not that much Sonics. I think we went a little bit over on the on Rave 2 and what we wanted to do. Um, and I will talk about my one and you a little bit more. But Women in Trouble is one of those films where it, it's it's not that easy to track down um, and it will end up appearing at some point on um, Netflix, I would uh, I would hope, um, because it's, it's a thoroughly entertaining film. Fair enough, fair enough. Have you seen it? No, no, I can't say I have actually, but I, you it, know, it, I, I'm kind of interested in both. It's it, it, it's one of those where it's the, the two movies well sit very well together. Um, Electra Lux has more of a a storyline. This very much um, is just a, a snapshot uh, of these lives, um, um, but it, it's it's well worth you know an hour and a half easily. One of those films where if it was two hours long, there'd be too much in it. But it's an hour and a half, and it it's slightly throwaway. It never gets bogged down in its own seriousness, um, and you know it, it it's good um, sort of it, it's it's a good female writing. You get the feeling that there'd be at points where Sebastian Gutierrez was writing it, and he'd kind of say to Cargadino, oh, "What do you think about this script?" And she'd go, "Yeah, we don't talk like that." They don't talk like that. And he, he, he fucking quickly sort of changed it. They get the feeling there's definitely a women's influence on the script. Nice. That's good. I mean, that's not something you can actually say every t- every day either, is it? So. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Fair enough. Uh, nice. Um, okay, so I'll, I'll talk about my one new. And... Um... <laughs> right, okay. So... Um... I have just given Letterbox on Letterbox the same star rating as the Raid Two to Forty Seven Ronin. <laughs> okay, I haven't seen Forty Seven Ronin yet, but I'm expecting a lot now. Right, Forty Well, Forty Seven Ronin, um, which was one of the biggest bombs of last year. It was kind of like a a very mixed year for Universal last year. They had um, they had Fast Six and Despicable Me Two, but they also had this and R.I.P.D. So um, you know, swings and roundabouts. Um, uh, but I've got to say, I actually had an all right time with this. To be honest, um, it's basically stories. It's a kind of a classic Japanese tale of Forty Seven Ronin who kind of give their, give their lives in um, in. in in the fight, in a fight for justice, basically, uh, but with Keanu Reeves like really awkwardly shonked into the narrative to uh, make it uh, palatable to Western audiences. Uh, Reeves plays Kai, a um, half breed um, who is found in a forest um, and is kind of brought up in um, uh, in, in, in a, a family of um, massive importance, like the lord of the the of the uh, the, the the area and uh, but he's never really fully accepted. Um, shit goes down when a witch uh, kind of casts a spell on the town and basically ensnares the uh, a, a lord who takes over the town and is going to marry Keanu Reeves's love interest and um, he's basically banished and Hiroyuki Sanada as the 
Lord's son, who never really liked Keanu Reeves, has to kind of find him and team up with him, along with 45 other Ronin, to uh, to basically reclaim their land and fight for justice. So, um, yeah, I just thought this was a fun time, really. Um, the setting is somewhat unique for for a Hollywood film, and the sheer amount of budget that is kind of given to the film is uh, is unique for this kind of landscape, you know. Um, I mean, Reeves is decent with the fighting. His character doesn't really do all that much. But Hiroyuki Sanada is uh, great. I, I like him. He was in Sunshine, so obviously I'm always going to like him. Uh, but, yep, yeah, he's fantastic. And Rinko Kikuchi's in there as well, and she's uh, she's also good. Um, again, like you said, because we went longer on the Ray 2 than I think we're anticipating, I'm not going to say too much about this film, in all honesty. But... Um, I, uh, I, I, I had fun with it, you know. Um, the CG and the action isn't fantastic, and I think, to be honest, if those sequences were better, I, I, I think the film would be looked on more kindly. And I mean, in the end of the day, it is an action film, but it's got the kind of the general kind of Japanese sensibilities of um, honor and, um, you know, even committing suicide being somehow the right thing to do in some cases, you know, that, that kind of thing is, um, again, it's just not really seen in Western storytelling all that much and seeing it with this kind of sheen and polish is a bit of a treat in all honesty. Um, that's all I really have to say about 47 Ronin. It it kind of, it, it does its job and it gets out of there. I'll never watch it again. Uh, but overall, it's less than two hours long. It tells its story actually quite well. In terms of storytelling, 47 Ronin is a better film than The Raid 2. Stick that on your poster. Um, in terms of action, it doesn't deserve to piss on it. But, you know, swinging these things up, I think both of them, 7 out of 10 for me, are actually fair enough. I enjoyed it. You might do too. Yeah, it's one of those... Um I think 37 Ronin kind of got dragged down where people were almost, uh, similar to what happened with John Carter um, of Mars, uh, people were were almost hoping and almost didn't go to see it so it would fail. And it kind of, it, it, it became a self-fulfilling prophecy for it, where it was already, before it came out, people saying, oh, it's going to be such a flop. And people didn't really seem to even give it a chance. They seemed to revel in the fact that this movie was going to cost all this money and, you know, it was going to lose loads of money. And so people were, seemed to like the fact that this movie bombed. And it it always kind of baffles me that because, you know, why would anyone want any movie, really? You know, there are exceptions to the rules, obviously. But, you know, 99% of movies, you know, you don't really want to fail. But people seem to revel in this this film's failure and it it, it, it baffled me at the time i didn't go see it i'll be honest myself but then it's out for fucking christmas yeah. i think it was, a, it was a silly time to release it to be yeah, honest yeah it, it, that boxing day was a retarded time to release 47 ronin yeah it, it is um you know it's you know and especially when they were what they released it up against in america it, it didn't it was never going to take a stand chance mm. Mm. Um, so yeah I, I i will catch it at some point it's the sort of film i'll watch on a sunday afternoon um to be honest, it's one of those ones where I'll, I'll I'll shoehorn it into watching it with Isabel. Yeah, that's the way, man. I mean, I don't know. It just like this, the the score's good. 
the performances are solid enough. I mean, Keanu Reeves is fine. It's just that his character is kind of awkward in there, really. But um, it, I don't know. It just it's not something you see every day, and I think there's some value in that. And I think it's it's pretty competently done, frankly. So yeah, I I did not mind it. Okay, so cool. um, let's get on to your next one, bud. Uh, my uh, one new now. Um, I think it, it, it's common knowledge now that um, amongst sort of the um, the good stuff that I like watching and the you know celebrated movies and things like that, I also like terrible movies. You uh, do like I, shit. You do like. I, shit. I, I can't get away from it. I I like terrible movies. If something looks really fucking bad. Uh, some rat retard, like the retard on my shoulder goes, we should watch that. And I go, we fucking should. Whereas the intellectual on my other shoulder is going, we, we, we could watch, um, you know, we could watch this, 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 this French film. And, 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 and the retard just, just kind of leans over. And by the way, I don't care if I'm not in PC with the word retard, so fuck you. Um, just kind of looks over and goes, don't listen to him. Don't listen to him. Listen to me. And I go, yeah, fuck you. And then watch it. So, this week, I watched a movie with possibly the worst poster of all time. I watched the film Bad Johnson, okay, which we discussed, yeah. I think, the trailer last weekend, did yeah, we? Last week? Yeah, maybe, yeah. Yeah, um, it's a terrible poster. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, the poster, essentially, um, is a blue background, Cam G- well, everyone's favourite Cam Gidande, um stood... Uh, with looking down his um, pants as where his penis would be, there is a man pointing, and the film is called Bad Johnson. Uh, and the conception of that poster, of how it's put together, not kidding, uh, looks like it was done on a phone in five minutes while someone was taking a shit. Yeah, it's it kind of embarrassing, that poster. It is, sure. It's terrible. Which all of it made me go, Bad Johnson, man playing a guy's penis? Everyone's favourite can be done it. Why not? Yep. So I did watch it. And you know what? It's not terrible. Sure. It's not it's not good, but it's not terrible. And part of the reason why it's not terrible is it's incredibly dark. Um uh, yeah, really? idea of the story is Kangadande is a guy, he's a personal trainer, uh, he's a nice guy but is a little bit of a player. Anytime he seems to get into a relationship, uh, he ends up fucking it up by fucking somebody else. Um, and the idea is, is that he, at the start of the film, he's in a relationship and he fucks the girl's sister. Um, and so his buddy, who is um, also first trainer, who's in a long-term relationship, takes him out for a few drinks to kind of get over this thing. Uh, he's explaining the fact that it's not his fault that these things keep happening, that it's his dick's fault. So they're in this bar, he sees this girl, and he thinks, great, I can get a, you know, a, a pick-me-up fuck. So he goes over, starts talking to this girl, and it turns out that he's already fucked her. Um, so she knees him in the balls, uh, which causes him to have a hernia, and he is basically told by his doctor that he can't masturbate and he can't have sex for at least six weeks. During the start of this six weeks, he meets Jamie Chung's character uh, and they end up having a relationship. Um, just as he's now allowed to finally have sex again, he ends up um, having 
sex with somebody else before her. She finds out and he makes this wish that I wish my dick would just leave me alone. Wakes up the next morning. Yeah, yeah, all this all happens. Wakes up the next morning with no dick. Right. He's horrified by this, then his phone rings and the fo- on the phone it's his dick. is his dick. Okay, brilliant. Which is played by Nick Toon. Um, right, okay. And his dick is an absolute Dick. Yeah, sure, of course it is. I mean, all it does is fuck things and do fucking horrible things. Of course it is. Um, but what ends up happening is, it's obvious story, he ends up learning that he, maybe he doesn't need his dick and that he can form relationships that aren't just based around sex and all of this, and ends up forming a relationship with this girl. Um, and it's not about the sex, it's about that he enjoys being with her. And as he starts to enjoy and fall in love with her, the dick starts to lose its powers. Um, and that's, and, and that is the dick basically is going to go back to being his dick rather than being a person of its own. The dick has now, um, taken to a life of crime. Of course. <laughs> um, and decides that the only way that he can stop this happening is if he spends the rest of his life making sure that everyone's favourite coming and it doesn't fall in love with anybody, so he's going to kill anybody that he starts to fall in love with. <laughs> right? right? Okay. There is that is how dark it is. There is a scene where just after the penis, which is never doesn't have a name, he's just referred to as either the dick or Rich's penis. Um, so so he's not actually called Dick. He's called the Dick. He's called the Dick. Or oh, Richard right. Penis. Okay, that's even better. Okay. Um, where he's just been on the phone to um, everyone's going to come down this uh, character, basically saying that try and have a relationship. Go on, fucking try it, because I'm going to be there to fuck everything up. He then gets off the phone and sees that there's a sign that says lost puppy. So he rings the number and says to the person who answers the phone, he's like, yeah, have, you, have you lost a puppy? Yeah. All right, I, I found the puppy. And as this woman on the other end of the phone is there going, oh, my God, this person's found our puppy, and he's going over like that, he goes, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know where your fucking dog is. And then hangs up. Right. That is how dark this movie is. Right. It is It's terrible, but there is... Easily enough there, and Kangadanda is, uh, you're watching it going, do you know what? You're better than this. You're not actually that bad. This is a film where you actually watch it and say, everyone's favourite Kangadanda is better than this. Yes, he is, without question, better than this. But what I will say is, I laughed easily enough uh, at this movie to, to, to when it finished. The first thing that went to my brain was, I can't say that, that wasn't a good movie, but I can't say that I didn't enjoy it because I laughed enough, and I also can't say that I won't watch it again, because I know that I will at some point. Rightio. So yes, Bad Johnson, it's not very good, but if you like terrible movies, watch it. Hmm. On it, I would even say it's a mild recommend. Very mild. Yeah, yeah. That I. This sounds like one I'm gonna have to be drunk to watch. I think. Oh, without question, without question. If you are, 
if you are fucking shit-faced on a Saturday night at, at like half eleven at night and you go, and it, 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 it cause this will be on Netflix in like a month yeah, probably, sure. <laughs> probably Canadian Netflix, um, and you will go, do you know what? Fuck it. It's got everyone's favourite camera update in it. Why not? And at the end of it, you will go. You, you, I will get a text or a tweet or something off you going, I just watched Bad Johnson. It's shit. You're an idiot. Yeah, okay. I laughed. That sounds fine. Go on then. What's your one-old for this week? Bad Johnson, man. All right. Um, my <laughs> one-old for this week is um, M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong's Unbreakable, um, which I haven't seen since the cinema. Um, so this is like nearly 15 years ago now. Fucking hell. Um, that's a bit mind blowing. Okay. Um, so yeah, basically a comic book origin movie kind of before comic book movies. I mean, you, you do, I suppose there was Blade and X-Men, but like in this current cycle, I mean, yeah. Yeah. In terms of the comic book explosion. Yeah. yeah, It it, it was, it was. It caught ahead of itself. In a way, it's accidentally really ahead of its time. But as Mm. a comic book origin movie, it's also kind of one of the best, I think. Um, I don't think Shyamalama Ding Dong puts a foot wrong with Unbreakable. I, like, genuinely, I don't. It's looked at from a proper adult point of view. Um, it is absolutely heartbreaking in some moments. And the whole plot of Samuel L. Jackson trying to discover a superhero so he can find his place, but his place is to be a supervillain, is remarkable. Um, and I remember at the time a lot of people kicking off about the ending of the film, you know, where, um, you've, you've seen Unbreakable, I take it. Yeah, you know, where Bruce Willis, like Samuel L. Jackson basically touches him so then Bruce Willis can see that he was the one who'd set all these disasters in motion. And then it basically ends with a couple of, a couple of lines of text. And people were just like, well, what Mm. kind of ending is that? For what this film is doing, I think that is, I don't think you could get a better ending than that. You know, in in the end of the day, this is an origin story of the hero and the villain. And once that story is done, bang, film's over. You know, Mm. and I, I, I I really respect that. I mean, I know Shyamalan Ding Dong had talked about doing sequels, but that's probably not going to ever happen now. And, you know, I say good to be honest, I don't want to see the continuing adventures of Security Man and Mr. Glass. You know, I'm I'm fine with what this is. And it's just the fact that it's Bruce Willis's character not only discovering who he is, but also reconnecting with those around him and kind of getting a second chance at things. But and and with his I mean, at least with his wife, not because of all this stuff. It, 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 it just this kind of thought like forges a connection between him him and his son and he kind of he he relates to his family better through that i i i think that's a really powerful way of telling this particular story but i mean it, it's also 
it's also not like it's looking down on things. I mean, one thing you could maybe criticise Danny Boyle for for 28 Days Later, if I, if I could, like, say this for a sec, is the fact that there's almost an unwillingness to admit what that film is, where, you know, they're not zombies. Mm. You know, they're, they're, they're not zombies, they're infected. They're not zombies, they're infected. Yes, they are infected, but they are essentially zombies, Danny, and you, you have made, you have made a horror film here as much as of your lo-fi filmmaking yeah. and, and socially aware cinema there is. You know, I, I, you know, whereas with something like Unbreakable, Shyama Lama Ding Dong is completely 100% aware of what it is. And he, he's fine with it. He doesn't care. He's not, being condescending to the art form or anything like that. There's an obvious genuine love for it. I mean, you've got that scene where um, Samuel L. Jackson kind of chews out this guy for because he wants to buy a piece of his art and he says his four-year-old would love it. And um, and then he kind of chews him out saying, you know, this is art. And it, it's not, that's not from a he's a psycho point of view. It's a very... No, it, yeah, it's yeah, defense. yeah. It's a defense of yeah, the And it feels like something Shyamalan Lama Ding Dong would say himself. You know, I, I, it, so I mean, I, I really enjoy that as well. I mean, the, the thing is, M Night Shyamalan Ding Dong does not help himself because he has made bad films. Yeah, I mean, he he really, really has. Um, yeah. But um, I mean, Unbreakable. He was riding high after the Sixth Sense, you know, and and yet this doesn't feel like a vanity project or that it's trying to say something. Which I think you could you could criticise the village about with, with in both of those, you know, um, you or the happening it. even, yeah. you know. Yeah. Whereas this feels like a story that he wanted to tell, but it's it's subtle while also having kind of superhero-y kind of things, um, and it's just very well played. The only criticism I have of it is that there are a couple of music cues from James Newton and Howard which have aged horribly. There's 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 one uh, there's one that I think it's the same one actually it, it's right at the start when the title titles are coming up and it's where Bruce Willis is in the train station and he's trying he's basically trying to touch people but not in a not in a dirty mm. way but like trying to like kind of find a mission essentially it's this kind of weird kind of like almost Moby-ish kind of uh, uh, kind of track that plays which um, is a little bit brutal but aside from that. I just stuck this on because, like, I knew I had to do a one-old this week and I didn't want the raid to be my one-old for obvious reasons. So, um, you know, and it was just yeah. like, shit, I haven't seen this in years. I'll stick this on. And I'm really, really glad I did. But it's weird because um, at um, the sci-fi weekend we were talking about... Uh, we got to talk about M. Night Shyamalan for some reason, I can't remember. Uh, and I think it was me, Noel, and um, Mike of Chinstroker, the political thing. We were... I, the only uh, M. Night Shyamalan film I can stand to watch is Unbreakable. Um, the, the others just leave me angry and furious. Like, I absolutely cannot stand the uh, man or director. Uh, but Unbreakable, I, I, I do did really enjoy. Um, I've only seen it once, actually. Um, and I, I would like to go back to it again at, at, at some point, because like I say, it, it is the only one of these films that I enjoy. It seems like the only film of his post Sixth Sense obviously because Sixth Sense kind of came out of nowhere a little bit but I didn't I, I really didn't like it um, is um, that it's the only film that doesn't seem like it's just his ego on show um, 
and it seems like a very balanced yeah, movie. Sure. Um, so yeah, I, I I did did very much enjoy it. Um, and I, you know, he's he's made some terrible things afterwards. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. But I mean, yeah, it's um, it it really holds up well, and uh, I, I I was very pleased with it. I I am gonna. I'm going to rewatch The Sixth Sense. I don't think I'm going to go through any of his other films. I've seen Signs a few times. So I, I think Signs is actually okay. Um, even though it's interesting that um, with both this and Signs, there's um, a crucial thing about water, um, which uh, I don't know. I, it just I don't know why. What about Lady? And, well, yeah, yeah. He fucking loves water. What about where quite literally M Night Shyamalan places himself as the savior of yeah, humanity? Yeah, that's silly. But you know. Hey, it is what it is. There was one good thing about um, Lady Noir, which was uh, Freddy Rodriguez. Remember when Freddy Rodriguez for like that two years was in every fucking movie? Um, where, for some reason, his character uh, is just working out one arm. Oh, that's the right, yeah. Thing. Yeah, which, which that is the only bit of Lady Noir I remember. Yeah, I don't. Other than that, that yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. That's all yeah, I too right, man. Um, all right, well, yeah, that's it. Um, that's as much uh, blowing Shyamalan ding dong as I think you're going to get these days. So, uh, yeah, let's move on. So, here's the last part: the when Ian and Mark met Rob Marathon, or the Mark and Ian met Rob Marathon, and we are going to take on 2005's Rumor Has It. Here's a trailer, and let's get on it. Want to have sex in the bathroom? I don't know, Sarah. It's so cramped in there. They got that harsh light. Siri. I don't think you are. I am Siri. I don't know. Oh, come on. We're about to begin our final descent into Los Angeles. You're here. You're here. You're here. Oh, my God. I'm getting married tomorrow. My sister, she bounces. Grandma, I told you never to call me that in public. Did Mom sleep with someone before Mary had Bo Burrows. Who? Mom liked Bo Burrows. You seduced him, and then she ran off with him a week before the wedding. Isn't that what happened? I don't believe everything you see in the movies. Get me a copy of The Graduate. It's my family, Jeff. We are the Robinsons. Why has no one ever told me about this? Most of all, you have to hide it from the kids, Cuckoo. You're Mrs. Robinson. Huh. Oh, my God. It's him. Who him? Him, him. Son of a... Oh, jeez. So you want to know what happened between your mother and me? And you and my grandmother. Oh. Wow. I know. Wow. Wow. I know. How do people just know what they want? I have never known what I wanted. Can you believe I just did that? So inappropriate. I didn't, I mean, I really... Oh, my gosh. It's so disturbing. You slept with my mother and my grandmother. Maybe every girl in my family has to sleep with you. Well, I don't know if they have to, but they certainly have. I know. All women become like their mothers. That is their tragedy. Jeff, wait. Jeff, I love you. No, don't say that. Don't you say that. Sarah, I didn't know where else to go. Come in. I'll put on a pot of bourbon. I wish the girl's mother was here. She could always put me at ease. What would you do? Just give me a hug. What the hell are you doing? Well, did you sleep with a man who also slept with mom and grandma Catherine? You slept with dad? 
Dad slept with Grandma Catherine? Ew! No. Rumour have it, has it, has it. Uh, starring Jennifer Aniston, Kevin Costner, Shelley MacLaine, uh, Mark Ruffalo and Richard Jenkins and Mina Savari and Mike Vogel. I did that all from memory. Um, story is Jennifer Aniston is a woman who has just got engaged to her boyfriend, uh, played by Mark Ruffalo, and they're going to her sister's wedding. She doesn't want to announce that they uh, got engaged and uh, who knows why that is. Um and when they get there through a series of circumstances, uh, Aniston realises that her grandma, played by Shirley MacLaine, was the inspiration for the Mrs. Robinson character in The Graduates. Uh, she goes to find Kevin Costner's character, thinking that he could be her father. He's not. And then stuff happens. Mark, you own Rumour Has It on DVD. I, I do indeed, yes. How? <laughs> no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I had no idea. All I can think is, is it was probably one of those when I, I was having a shit day at work and what I used to do when I was having shit days at work was go to Virgin at the 5 for 30 and go that, 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 that and that and just walk up to the counter. So some of the fucking stuff that I've got is, is random to the extreme. Brutal. Um, <laughs> Yes, right. Well, seeing as, seeing as uh, Ian, Ian's already um, announced that, that he fucking hated this movie, so I'm going to start you, Ian, um, with, um, as you started last week's uh, North, with a Roger Ebert Oh, film, go on. Um, from his review of uh, Rumour Has It. Um, the plot sounds like a gimmick. That's because it is a gimmick, but it's a good gimmick. And Rumour Has It works for good reasons, including sound construction and the presence of Kevin Costner, a natural actor with enormous appeal. This is not a great movie, but it's a very watchable and has some good laughs. The casting of Aniston is crucial because she's the heroine of the story and has presence to pull it off. Ian, did you enjoy Why, Rumour What the <laughs> fuck, Roger Ebert? Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, Rumour Has It it's a film that the machinations of the plot could just as easily be some sort of psychological thriller drama or even kind of incestual family horror film. Yet somehow it's a rom-com starring Jennifer Aniston. It is one of the most bizarrely misjudged films I think I've ever, 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 ever seen. Um... It, it, it's it's I, I don't even I don't even know. I mean, this is Jennifer Aniston. Bless her when she was just trying to be a star, a big screen star after Friends. And, yeah. you know, it's almost like it's Rachel like hit round the head several times. And, and, and so she's essentially made retarded. Fucking a man who just because he says he's not her dad, very well could be her dad, but just goes for it anyway, for no real reason whatsoever. And by the end of the film, where she kind of has the big, this is why I've been acting like this thing, I just sat there and I was just like, really? Because you, you had issues about not wanting to be your mum? Where the fuck did that come from? I've just watched you for an hour and a half fuck up your life. And it's for a reason that I didn't even get any indication of that whatsoever. 
It's a fail on pretty much every single level. And I can't help but feel it's a film that just went through development hell. And, yeah. It th- did. Okay, shocker. And the only... The, um, Go on, you, you obviously know. Originally, originally um, the writer was going to um, direct and did actually direct. It started principal photography. Um, but then he started sacking people like the cinematographer and the editor and people like that. Um, and was I think he, he in he, I think he was on he was on he worked for like two three weeks and they were already a week behind schedule, um, and he was being a bit of a whiny little bitch so sort of sacked him uh, and brought in Rob Reiner shut down production for a month Reiner um, recast several roles and rewrote the script and then came back and reshot it. Right. Okay. That's interesting. I. It just, I don't know what this film is. It doesn't feel like that it it should be what it is at all. The plot is an interesting plot. You know, and and it's just an excuse for Jennifer Aniston to run around and have really, really basic, horrible, nonsensical, nonsensical, relationship dramas where she's got to pick between really nice Mark Ruffalo who never ever 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 puts a foot wrong at one point confronts her and basically says I thought you might be dead how why how am I the bad guy here I thought you know I got no idea where you were and suddenly I think we're actually supposed to feel sorry for Jennifer Aniston and I mean, Shirley MacLaine is just running around like the mum from Two and a Half Men. Um, it, it, it is embarrassing. And Kevin Costner may as well be Bad Johnson. <laughs> it's, it's such a what-the-fuck film that it just... The tone of it veers all over the place. And it... I... It... I... I it... Oh... Do you know what the key thing I think about Rumour Has It is? It's it's a it's a rom com, isn't it? It's a romantic comedy, right? There's no romance in it at all. But they, yeah, yeah, <laughs> at all. And there's there's very little comedy. There's no comedy. It just kind of exists. You know, there's there's one amusing moment where um, Ruffles um, hugs uh, Richard Jenkins. Oh, it's about the only amusing moment. And a incredibly hysterical scene with people talking on phones where there's two conversations oh going on at once. God, that was the fucking um, worst. Over the phone, and I was actually watching it going, this is, this is horrible. This is so, so bad. Um, and I was watching thinking, this, this, this is going to be the reasons why Ian is going to say this film is shit. And I was thinking, I at this point I thought, I don't know why I own this movie. I, I, I generally don't remember buying it. And I can pretty much remember buying every single film I've got. But I don't remember buying this. I also, I, and I, this is the second time I've watched this movie. And I, I don't remember actually disliking it that much the first time. But yes, it, it's terrible. This, this story is a good idea. But the story 
is terrible. And I, I, I'm a, a, a thorough um, defender of Jennifer Aniston. I don't agree with the, oh, she's just a small screen actress, she's better on a small... I don't agree with that at all. I think she's a great comedic actress. But, like you were saying, in this, she's in that awkward people only know me as Rachel from Friends thing. And this was released just after Friends had finished, I think. Sure. Um, and it was one of the first movies that, that came out where it was her leading the line um, after after yeah. Friends. Um, and she, she was still in that awkward bit where everybody saw her as just being Rachel from Friends. I don't think people see her as just that anymore. I think she's she's moved enough away from that. She's been in enough movies and been in a, a presence on our screens enough yeah, since sure. that she isn't just that. Um, so it, it is very much that and, and you are um, just kind of like you are everything's contrived so that you're supposed to feel sorry for her. But essentially she goes on this wild goose chase to find Kevin Costner because she wants to find some link for why she isn't a part of her own family. Why she feels so... Why she doesn't feel like part of that family. But her family seems like quite a, They're a good lovely family, family, you know. Her dad is lovely. Her sister is, you know, kooky and everything like that. But she's not portrayed as being a terrible sister who only ever thinks about herself and constantly puts, you know, Jennifer Aniston's character down. That's not what she's like. So she goes there to kind of try and prove to herself that she's not part of this family that isn't terrible, finds this man. When she finds out that she isn't, there's no chance that she could be, you know, his daughter, he then basically goes, oh, you know, you can't, my daughter, but would you like to come, you know, to my island? Would you like to, you know, come get shit-faced with me? I can take advantage of you. Um, And so she fucks him, and then he basically says to her, oh, you know, you basically, it sounds like your life isn't that great. And she goes, well, I, I, don't, I don't really know. And he's like, well, maybe we can go for dinner. In my fucking yeah, play. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's basically, it, it, he basically says, look, I'm sure the guy that you're with is great and you don't seem to love him. Look, I'm really rich. That's it, yeah. That, yeah. That's it. That's it. And he is really rich. And yes, he is Kevin Costner, so he's a good looking guy. But it's just, uh, look, I'm rich, and I can basically, you know, yes, you, you don't like your life. Well, I can buy you a better life. And then Ruffles finds out, and she goes, oh, no, I, I, I still kind of love him. I think I, I think I love him now. I've decided I love him. And she goes back to Ruffles and basically goes, look, I'm sorry. And he's so nice that he goes, well, all right. Ser- seriously, right? When he she kind of leaves his apartment at the end... I was just like, if he doesn't run out after her, I will give this film more than a half star out of five. These ruffles, of course, are going to run out after her. I, I, but the, the thing is, it's just like ev- everything, the way he is, there is no inkling in him whatsoever that he would take her back. And then suddenly he's going to take her back. This this was ruffles, uh, an absolute 100% paycheck sure. for him you know he, he, he'd had you know he, he was an up and comer and then I think I, did he break his back or something like that he had something where he basically couldn't kind of work properly for a, a number of years 
uh, and then ended up. Uh, oh, there's a brain brain tumor. That was it. Um, and he ended up doing a lot of shit oh, movies brain just tumor. for the money. Yeah. Jesus, really? He was, you know, he, he'd done some sort of like, you know, he, he was starting to sort of get a little bit um, sort of behind him where, you know, he was the next big thing. And then he had a brain tumour in the early Bloody 90s, I think. Hell. Which, yeah. Yeah, um, a type of brain tumour uh, in 2002. Um, and, you know, he, he essentially he had to make a few movies. There was a few movies that came out, like things like In the Cut and things like that. Um, and wind talkers that he made before he was diagnosed, but he had like a couple of years where he basically just didn't work, um, and then you know did like Eternal Sunshine, but he he had to do a few movies just to get yeah, some fucking yeah. money. No, I mean that's um, and now he's he's back in that you know he's you know events have given him a little bit of that, but you know he's he's a very very solid actor. You know you look at things like Collateral and Zodiac and. You know, you know, Bullet Volume and things like that, and Shutter Island. You know, he's a he's a very good actor. Yeah, no, totally. Who's wasted in this movie? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, he's, I, I, I don't know. It just it doesn't feel like a film any actor actually goes to. At least what this was out of any real interest to do anything for the cinematic form. It just it, it's no. It's it. I don't know. It, it's one of those films where it almost feels like if the director was fired. A, a week or two in, just write the fucking thing off. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, it, it, there's, a, there's a shame to this film in the fact that Richard Jenkins has made quite a few films like this where he's just in it for like a little bit and it's a paycheck thing. And it's sad that an actor as talented as Richard Jenkins has to do that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it, uh, it, yeah, uh, he's not a marquee name though, is he? That's the thing. No, it, that, that, that's, that's the thing. He, he, he's, he's not, and he, he's never going to be, but he is a brilliant actor, and every movie that he's in is kind of lit up whenever he's there, and he is, he is, you know, he's one of the better things in this, that's really not saying anything. The sunshine is one of the better fucking things in this movie. The fact that it's under 100 minutes long is one of the better things in this movie. Uh, so yeah, it, it's shit. Yeah, no, totally, <laughs> man. And uh, what a way to end the marathon. Yeah, I think we've come to it with Rob Reiner is that he's he definitely has a way with his movies, um, but as good as things like when Harry Met Sally and A Few Good Men are, he's also got a thing like North or this in his um, in his canon. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but. I'll say one thing for it. I mean, let's tie this into the Twitter question and just get this out of the way. At Very Cinematic, are most of Rob Reiner's films shit? And if so, why are you doing a, a Rob Reiner marathon, you pair of dicks? Um, the thing <laughs> is, he jumps genre like no one's business. And I respect that. He doesn't stay in his hole and, and, and just do that stuff. He will make other films. The guy who directed Rumour Has It directed Misery and directed A Few Good Men. You know, the guy who directed This Is Spinal Tap directed Misery. And though we didn't talk about Misery, you know, because it's a film that gets talked about a lot. I, you know. That's it, yeah. We, we picked the ones that maybe don't yeah. get 
well, I suppose it went higher Sally, but you know, people people seem to remember that, like we said before we read the film, people remember that for yeah. that scene rather than for the, the entire film that is around. Yeah. That so scene. I mean, I thought the Rob Reiner marathon was legitimate, and I, I've, had, I've oh. actually had a good time doing it. Oh, I lost. Uh, I was just saying, there. I thought it was legitimate the marathon, and I've had a good time doing it. I yeah, I, it's you know it's. There's nothing that I hadn't seen before, but I, I always have the excuse to watch when Harry met Sally and a few good men. Uh, so, yeah. Um, but what, we, we have decided on what we're doing. Um, we have time, indeed. I think. Yes, we have. Okay. Good, yes. Uh, do you want to tell the people what we're doing and then we'll, we'll do the other Twitter questions? Yes, we I think do. we've got another one. John Milius. Yeah, cool. So, what's we gonna, what, what, how are we gonna tackle this? Are we gonna, what have we got to look forward to? Do, 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 do. He's not made a lot, a lot of films as a director, has he? Um. Do, do, do. So, we're gonna have stuff like, I think Dillinger was that his first? Y- movie? Yeah, um, first he did movie? the reversal of Richard Stuff, that's 55 minutes long as a student film. Dillinger, yeah. yeah. Um, I would be, I oh, would be up see. for doing Dillinger. I think we should okay. do Dillinger. Uh, I would be up for doing The Wind and the Lion. I would be up for uh, the Wind I would the Lion. be up for doing Big Wednesday. I would be up for doing I would Big be Wednesday. up for doing Conan the Barbarian, because it's Conan the Barbarian. I think maybe we should do a commentary for Conan the Barbarian as opposed to an actual show that week. I could, yes, I could definitely get behind a few bits on that. Yeah, would you say just do those spots? Um, hang on a second. I want to look at something. I want to look at something. So, one, two, three, four. So, that would take us up to Sunday the 18th. Then, because I have an idea for the one after, so bear with me. Two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay. Um, I can happily throw another couple in there. Yeah, I mean. Uh, or, or what we'll do is we'll do five, and then we'll do a we'll do a a random one, a random retro like we did with Fletch. Yeah, in go on then. Yeah, 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 fine. That, that'll take us to, to, to your idea. Yeah, fine. Okay, cool. Let's do that. So, the other one. Do you want to do um, Flight of the Intruder or Farewell Flight of the Intruder. King? Good. I was going to say that because I've seen Farewell of the King and it's it's all right, but it's a fucking cool. slog to okay, watch. Okay, nice. Um, all right. Nice. So, um, I've got to go in the next couple of minutes. So, um, at Mr. F1978, if you could turn one standalone movie into a franchise, what would it be? Uh, the AT. Oh, you muddy funkster. John Carter. Oh, nice. Yeah, mine would be the AT just simply because I loved spending time in that movie. Um, I'd love to see another one. Uh, I think Joe Carnan is a... He's just wonderful. Um, I look forward to whatever he makes, even if it does star Catherine Heigl. Um, so, yeah, it'd be nice. the AT. I would love to watch the second AC movie, but I get that we're probably not going to get it. John Carter, just because I want to spend more time in that world, and I'm I'm a big booster for John Carter, but yeah, that would be that for me. Um, Okay, 
So, uh, next week then, um, I'm assuming we're going to do Amazing Spider-Man 2, because I know you really like the first one, so... um, I thought we'd be doing a lot. Oh, shit. Uh, Let let me check cinema times and get back to you on that. Okay, cool. So, who knows then? Uh, But yeah, we'll also be starting the uh, Milius Marathon, uh, named to EBA, with uh, Dillinger. And uh, do the monkey, uh, do the monkey at gmail.com at Ian Loring at dude force at dude the monkey and Mark anything else? Uh, no, um, everything covered. Another another fine yeah. show. Um, nice one. Cheers, guys. Bye bye. There's cool. Right, yeah, cool. I am gonna shoot off. I am gonna shoot off. I need to eat tonight. Nice. And there. I just ordered Conan the Barbarian Steelbook for uh, eight pound on Zabby. Oh, think I'm out of nice. Right, take it easy, man. Good show. You too, buddy. Fish, uh, bye.